and he would stand there and actually look at the kids and get them to think about what would you do in your world to prioritize in your spheres so that you could actually make a difference in someone else's life. The one thing that I want to cover this month as we're kind of flicking through along the way is this idea that there's a God who wants to be involved in our lives and he gives us a task. This is the first picture of Adam and Eve. From the very beginning of the Bible, the idea of God wants us to create and wants us to cultivate. He wants us to be involved in his world in actually doing things that will bring his creative order, if you like, his life to this world. And someone I want to help unpack that idea this morning, just following on from the idea of ordering stuff, is Dave Mitten. Dave, would you come on up here for a second? I just want to interview you. Put your hands together for Dave. Well done with Megan, what she's doing. <clears throat> We're all just processing different things along the way. Dave, I just want to ask a question. What are you doing this year that's different to last year? Because you've resigned a job. You've actually gone ahead and um, resigned or, or taken some delay in your work to do something different. What is it? Yes. Yeah, you're good. That's good. Hello. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I've been a teacher for about 13 years, a job I really uh, enjoy. Uh, and this year, I'm, uh, I've left that job to start a new job at a not-for-profit organisation called SALT, brand new organisation, sport and life training. We run education units um, in local football clubs, um, largely around social issues like um, drug and alcohol, um, respectful relationships, social media stuff, uh, mental health and wellbeing. And we also run um, uh, culture change stuff. So we run, we run with a leadership group we, um, and, and even with parents, under 14s, all the way through to seniors. And we, we work with clubs to kind of uh, empower them to run their own healthy communities. Um, and um, the reason that we're, or I say we, my wife and I, are doing this is because, um, yeah, we feel really passionate about um, just empowering young people to uh, live out a different story and, and um, to, to make choices for their lives that um, obviously have a positive impact and um, kind of allows them to look after their mates as well. Um, I suppose that's, that's a great thing. And that's the first time many of us would have heard about that. You've actually made the shift from a fairly... Uh, solid workspace. It's very consistent work. There's a, a check that's coming in the mail regularly, in the mail or in the bank account, however it works these days. Uh, so that's fairly routine and good. So why are you making this shift away from a fairly secure workspace, Dave? Yeah, it's probably fairly out of character. I think my wife would describe me as conservative um, in, in a lot of ways. Are you, and are you conservative? I don't know. I don't think so. Well, is you conservative? <laughs> Yeah, he's very conservative. Okay, um, he's conservative. Yeah, you know, I like to know that I can provide for my family and um, like to plan for the future and that sort of thing. And so this is uh, fairly out of character. You know, it's um, at, at the moment we're still seeking funding. There's no guarantee of, of income. So my wife um, tells everyone that I quit my job to, to do some voluntary work, but hopefully that's not going to be the long-term um, case. But, yeah, it, it is definitely... Um, something that we're, we're stepping out into. Yeah, and I think we also said that I had a conversation earlier with you along the way saying if you've got nowhere to live, you can actually come and stay with us. I, didn't yeah, check I haven't checked that with Bron, but we're going to yeah. move into the garage. So, if we, uh, well done. Um, have you been intentional about things like this before in your life when it comes to decision-making? Because it sounds to me that when you talk about this that you've been quite intentional. Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, you can kind of live out kingdom values um, in, in just about any workplace. And I think um, Kylie and I have, have intentionally done that in our previous workplaces and in our relationships. Um, but, but it is a bit of a mind shift to kind of say, well, you know, not just how do we work within our workplace, but actually where I work and, and what I'm going to be doing um, day to day is, is kind of a, a big step. And so um, perhaps, perhaps the only other time that I can think of is um, getting married. You know, we spent a fair bit of time making sure that was the right thing. Yeah. But, but apart it from that... was the right thing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a no-brainer? Yeah. Um, <laughs> how's this been challenging you? How's this whole process of actually saying, I want to be intentional... 
want to ask God about stuff, going to take a step out of my comfortable, more comfortable, hard-working space. Um, what's it been challenging you? What's it been teaching you about the whole process? Yeah, I, I guess if I could have um, scripted it um, myself, I would have, you know, last year when we was, I was talking about coming on board, um, I would have loved for, you know, some funding to come through so that I could just, you know, resign and walk straight into a job. Um, but God kind of, I feel like he um, likes you to, to take a bit of a step. Well, that's kind of the, the, the sense that we've had. And, um, you know, Kylie got a part-time job, which kind of gave us enough impetus to say, look, let's, let, we think it's the right thing, let's do it. So we took a step and, and left my work and um, started working at this new organisation. And, and since doing that, um, Kylie actually got offered another job, which was a much better job, uh, which she couldn't have done if I was teaching. So if I hadn't taken that step, she couldn't have taken this job. And so now she, she's taken this better job. Um, which kind of um, has, you know, um, taken a fair bit of pressure off and we feel like God's kind of already providing, perhaps in a way that we hadn't expected, but, um, you know, we still kind of have to rely on him um, for, you know, for the future and and I think it's kind of stretching us with our faith. Someone from the sidelines might say, uh, Dave, you're just pursuing a passion of yours or someone else might say, that's probably the most foolish thing I've ever heard. Um, Giving up a career option to go and take another. Now, I know we live in this uh, environment of, ideals and pursue your dreams, but someone might say, that's a really foolish thing, Dave. Why on earth then would you be interested in even asking Jesus about what you should do with your life? What is it about him that makes you even want to ask that question in the first place? Uh, yeah, you wouldn't be the first person to say it's foolish. Uh, we've, in fact, we've <laughs> discussed that a number of times ourselves. If it's, you know, are we just doing something that's a bit silly? Um, but, you know, we, we, we feel um, that, um, you know, this is actually a space that we're called to. Um, never really felt um, as strongly about something like this in the past. And um, we do feel this is the space that we're, we're supposed to be moving into. Um, and, yeah, you know, I guess, um, you know, we, we believe um, in, in Jesus. We believe that he came and gave everything, life itself. And so um, for us, you know, when Jesus said, follow me, um, you know, you look at the disciples, they dropped their nets, they followed. And... Um, and if we're going to be you know, faithful to him, then that's kind of what we do. And I'd, I'd rather, um, I think we'd rather um, follow what we believe he's wanting us to do and be wrong about that than not follow what he, we think he wants us to do and be wrong about that. So that's kind of um, what we're doing. That's good. Why don't you put your hands together? It's good. Thank you. <clears throat> we're going to be praying for you along the way, Dave and Kylie, for those things and how it works itself out. I tell you what. We just come back from a break time, we all sit in a room together, we stare forward and we can actually miss just even smiling to the person next to us. So could you just give your casual nice smile to the person around you, just so you know there's other people in the room along the way. You don't have to say anything in particular. Alrighty, that's enough smiling. Enough talking along the way. I was thrilled to learn that at Christmas time we get so enthusiastic about things that uh, the funds that came through for East Timor were fantastic 
And uh, we just just thank God for a generous community. In fact, God might speak to you in the coming weeks about going over and being part of the opening of the school over there with the Rural Schools Development Fund in East Timor this year. Um, in two weeks' time, we want to hear back from the group of guys, mainly the, the guys that went to the Philippines trip over the Christmas time to serve and um, communicate who Jesus is in that culture as well, which was great. There are different people from here, young people. Um, there's Bella and Soph and Jazz and I think Ruth and others. Nick was away too doing that. Just sort of being available, kind of like Dave's been describing this morning about what does it mean to prioritize in my life and to actually ask the question, God, what do you want for me, I want to pose the whole idea this morning, that's the frame of this, this month, Simplify, is that if you were to simplify your life, what would it be around and what might God have to say about those things as well? Bron alluded to our holiday in Bright and one of the things that we enjoy about going up to Bright is that we have time to relax. The only problem with that this year is that four days out of the ten absolutely bucketed down in rain which causes you to envy because we were in a tent and the people next door to us only three, two feet away had a really big caravan with a really big awning. And it's in those moments you go, I wish. But there was one day that it came out and it was sunny and I thought, this is the day. I'm going to get the tires and I get a tire and I'm going to float down the river on a tire tube. Has anyone ever done that before? How relaxing is the tire tube thing? Yes, along the way. And so I thought, you know what? It's better to go as a double or a triple just with a group. Yeah. Our life's slowing down. The responsibilities are less. There's less demands, less all of those things. What I can simply do is just go and float down the river and I'll invite some people with me. So I thought, oh, I'm just going to invite some family members. So I said, would you like to come? They said, yeah, I'd like to come, but I just want to have to check with something else because we have to. And so they trottle off. And then I said to someone else, would you like to come with me? I'm going to go floating down the river on the time. They said, yeah, I'd love to come, but I just need to check with something else because I was going to do something else and plan without something else. I said to someone else, would you like to come with me? And they said, yeah, well, I'd like to do that, but I just have to check with someone else because they was going to schedule coffee for them and then we're going to go for a swim in the... And, and I remember standing at the front of this caravan park going, you know what, this isn't simple at all. <laughs> this is really complicated. I was so frustrated by them going, where is everyone? And I'm like, I'm sitting there with my tire lying actually on the grass right now going, that is it. I'm just waiting for everyone to organize their complicated lives so I can do something really simple like just float down the river and enjoy company with other people. Does anyone experience that before in their simple life? Very complicated along the way, organizing other people as well. But we come back from holidays, don't we, if you've been away, if you've maybe changed your schedule. And this whole idea of simplify seems to be sort of swimming around our heads. The idea that I kind of like a little bit less stress, a little bit less work demand, a little bit less life demand, a little bit slower pace so I can do some of the things that I want. So we start to, if we like, begin to think about how can I keep this feeling for as long as I can, don't we? If you haven't done this, this is kind of the... So we grab our buckets, our imaginary buckets, with all the different things that we have our responsibilities for, and we start to just roll them over in our heads. You may have done this. So there's the um, work. How do I do less work, be more effective, and still reach my goals kind of question that comes up, yeah? You sort of wonder about that. And then you realize that there's bills to pay, but I still like to actually do some leisure. But to do leisure things, I need to actually get some money to do that kind of work. So how am I going to do my leisure activities? And then, of course, there's if I have enough wealth that I could do whatever I like to do, I still need to do some work in order to achieve that. But how do I have my leisure at the same time? And then there's how do I run an effective home? Yeah, 
<laughs> That's stupid. Put that back. Um, and then, of course, there is the, the personal vehicles that if I've seen someone else has got an upgrade in their car and I think maybe it's time I should upgrade my car or maybe some of the accessories or maybe I can buy some of those extra things to help with my leisure, which might be a bike or a fishing rod or something like that. And then there's the education side of it, remember, because we need to be more developing ourselves because that's an important thing and we put that into the bucket as well and then there's the other one that says shiny white teeth and shoes you know because I need to keep up my appearances and so that's important my own physical presentation and we kind of cram them in don't we and then someone comes along with a great idea a book written many many years ago now seven habits of highly effective people and and the emphasis is on highly effective do you notice that how can I develop habits that will make me more productive. Do you know most of our conversation is around productivity? You you know this because when someone says, how are you doing? They say, I'm busy. It's all about productivity. Uh, How can I accomplish more with the limited time that I have? And we read that book or, or someone tells you a story about it, like two men who were sharpening their saws to cut down trees. And and one man didn't sharpen his saw and he's He's kind of lined up alongside it very early in the morning and he had to cut this tree down. By the end of the day, he's still sawing away, but his mate was there sharpening his saw. And they looked at, he kept on looking across at his mate saying, what are you doing? You've got to cut this tree down. We've got to be productive, get the job done. And he's just sharpening his saw. And so I'm just sharpening my saw. And then the guy's still working really hard to get the tree cut down. And then he turns somewhere during the end of the day and this guy takes up his saw that he's been sharpening. And in half the time, he gets the job done. He goes, that's because I took time to sharpen my saw. And so the whole idea there is then that we should do things that might sharpen our saws, maybe some more leisure time, some more relaxation time, so that we can be more productive. And so what we do is we come back knowing, keeping that idea of productivity in our heads, and we start to name the times then. Okay, when am I going to do my leisure? I'm going to do that between 9 and... No, actually, I'm going to do it between 6 and 6.30 a.m. in the morning time. That'll be my leisure time. Fit that in. Effective home. We're going to run an effective home between 5 p.m. and 6 p.m. each night. And we're just going to cram that in. And the shiny white teeth and shoes, when are we going to pick them up? And I'm going to have to look after my own personal appearance. And that I'm going to do that between 6.30 and 6.45. And then we get another one and we go... Uh, meet the girl and the guy of my dreams. We're not going to do that. Um, I'm going to go on Facebook a lot, you know, and find someone. We push that in. Do you notice what happens? We run the productivity value across all that we do. And what we're really good at in the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne is that we are really good at squeezing more things in and adding things than subtracting or saying no to things. You notice that? I was talking to a guy just last year and he said, you know what, some of my friends and my colleagues in work, they're all talking about investment housing. And and this person said, we're working on our own house right now, but there's this uh, run conversation going through that we'll be missing out if we don't get our investment house now. And so everyone's talking about it. And he said, I don't really need it. I'm not really thinking about it. But because everyone else is talking about it, I think that I need it. And I feel like I'm falling behind. So then one of our kids doesn't make it in their sports competition. So we go, we've got got to get a new coach for them. Or or maybe you're at school and you go, I haven't made the the drama or the I haven't done the... So what I need to do is invest more time into to be more productive so I can squeeze more things in. 
You're feeling the busyness already? The only thing that comes with busyness, in my estimation, is this other thing that's called... It's a product of it. It's a byproduct of business and squeezing more stuff in. Does anyone know what it is? Stress. Anyone feeling a bit stressed right now? Could I just squeeze a few more things into your world? The challenge with this kind of life in the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne is that it's filled with stress. And, and then you come along to a church thing and you want to say, what does Jesus say about this? How I can be more productive and get more things done and accomplished, get the things done that I want to do. And you discover that he actually says really little to nothing about our productivity. If you want to follow with me, if you've got a Bible with you, Matthew chapter 6, you want to look it on I, sort of, you can download the app. version is a great one to go. Matthew chapter 6, this is where I'm diving in today on this theme, Simplify. Jesus says these words into that kind of worldview. So let me tell you, don't worry about your life, what to eat, what to drink. Don't worry about your body, what to wear. There's more to life than food. There's more to body than the suit of clothes. And you go, get out of here. That is ridiculous, Jesus. What on earth are you saying about the things that I hold so dear to my life and the bucket that I'm filling? How on earth you do not know my world You do not know anything about life indeed because you're telling me that eating and drinking is not important. No, no, no. Jesus is saying those things are important. But he says they're not always the main game. You mean Nigella, who's coming to MasterChef, might not be the main game? Jesus says there's more to the body than a suit of clothes. And it's at this moment we look at Jesus and we wonder, does he know anything about anything when it comes to my world? So he gives two pictures. This is the first picture that he gives. He's obviously been observing the sky and the birds and the nature around him. He's a naturalist. And so he says these things. Have a look at the birds in the sky. He's like, oh, just have a look. He says, um, as I've been observing them, uh, they don't plow and sow crops, and they don't harvest them and put them in barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. Think how different you are to them. Can any of you add 15 inches to your height by just worrying about it? And and we all say, well, well, no, I, I can't add 15 inches to my height by worrying about it. But Jesus just takes a little simple example and he goes, just want to look at the birds. How much more important are you as a human being than birds? And yet there's, and then he gives another example, a really simple one. He says, I want to talk to you about flowers, beautiful flowers. Take a tip from the flowers in the field. Look at them. They're just arrayed and adorned with this kind of majesty and this beauty and this clothing, the way they're in the ordered. He says, they don't get up in the morning time, stand in front of a mirror and try and get the shiniest teeth or the straightest hair. They don't have a curling wand. They don't have a straightener. They, they, they don't have a makeup set. They don't have gel in their hair. They don't have any of those things. And yet, I tell you what, compared to Solomon in, in, in all of his great riches in, in the Bible, he goes, these ones are dressed in finer splendor than anything that he could have to offer. And so he, can, he says this, so if God gives that sort of clothing even to the grass in the fields, which is here today and in the bonfire tomorrow. Isn't he going to clothe you too? Oh, you little faith lot. We scratch our heads and we wonder what on earth is Jesus on about? 
It seems as though Jesus is inviting people, no matter who you are, whether you're farther away from God or close to him, been following him for a long time or not, to think this way. Try and live your life in the knowledge that there is a good God who cares about your predicaments, who is in charge and reigns supreme, and that the best kind of life is to be experienced in him and with him and for him. And Jesus goes, dot, 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 trust me on this one. Trust me on this one. I know him because I call him dad too. Dot, dot, dot. He's my dad and he wants to be yours too. Wow. Productivity. Simple life. You see, when it comes to understanding what life is all about, Jesus seems to think that it's actually got to do with something to do with having a relationship with a God who actually cares and has got your back and wants the best for you, even though sometimes we don't actually know what that looks like, but to trust him for food and clothing and all those basic things. He seems to be itching about something else. This week I was looking at a TED Talk, a gentleman by the name of Jonathan Wallinger, who's the fourth person to supervise the longest longitudinal ageing study in the history of our world called the Harvard Study. Some of you would have heard about this. 75 years of research has gone into tracking people over 75 years of ageing. Some of them are into their 90s now. And he says, you know, we asked some millennials, what are the most important things? What do they want to head their life towards? What's a life goal? He said, 80% of the millennials said, we want to be rich. That's interesting. After all the stuff we're learning, still want to be rich. So it gives them ability to do stuff. The second, he said, the second was surprising. We asked the same millennials and they, 50% of them said, we want to be famous. We just want to be known. He said, after 75 years of study and research and thousands and thousands of interviews and He says, we've come up with the following conclusion. You want to be well? You want to have a good life well-being? Good life means good relationships. Wow. That's funny. They've taken 75 years in all of this sociological research to conclude something that Jesus said in one sentence. What's the greatest thing you can do in your life? Love God with all heart, mind and soul and love neighbor as self. Be in relationship with God and actually be in relationship with your maker and be in relationship with your next door neighbor in such a way that you will find life. Isn't that interesting? I used to be a phys ed teacher. I remember one series, we were doing a series of hockey. If anyone knows anything about hockey, it's a dangerous sport. It's a great sport, dangerous sport. I remember after four weeks of saying, this is how you hold the stick. This is year eight kids. And so year eight kids have their particularly males, have their frontal lobes totally developed. You know this, right? So they are fully accessing all of their sensibilities and and, and sort of sensory reasoning and decision-making. And and so you know this is a weapon, so you teach them how to to play hockey. Pass the ball. Don't raise your sticks. Don't lift the ball. All of these things. Beautiful, beautiful. The the teacher in this situation, which happened, was doing an amazing job. So much so that at the end of four weeks, I said, you know, they're itching for a game. Can we play? Can we play? Can we play? Can we play? I said, okay, let's play a game. The day came. And I blew the whistle. And there was carnage. Hockey sticks began to swing wildly. 
Balls were lifted like they'd never been. Kids were falling down on the ground, holding, clasping their legs. Dave knows all about this. Clasping their legs, holding their heads. After about three minutes, I blew the whistle again and I said, Stop! Now I'm taking over as the coach in charge. This is how we're going to play the game from now on. And after I explained it again and gave them all their orders and their instructions and I blew the whistle again, they played. And they had a wonderful time doing it compared with the other. Friends, I want to tell you this. Some people think that if they give their life to God and actually even think about the stuff Dave is talking about or even think about how do I order my life and simplify it, that God will rob them of life. I want to tell you of this. Which group of kids enjoyed the game more? The one who were beforehand when they did what they wanted, made up their own rules, or the ones who actually abided by their maker's ordinance and governance in his care and his love? Which one enjoyed the game more? It seems that Jesus believes that when someone chooses to orient their life, point their feet and their toes towards who God is, that he somehow reaches forth from his kingdom into our place and says, I want you to understand that I'm a good God. I care about your predicaments, that I'm in charge, that I reign supreme, even though you might not fully understand it. Look at the birds, look at the flowers, and the, that the best kind of life is to be experienced in him and with him and for him. And trust me, he's my dad. And he wants you to do the same thing too. Am I making sense? How do we do this? He goes on and says these words. So don't worry away with all your what do we eat and what do we drink and what do we wear. Those are all the kinds of things that I just want to say the economies and the markets of the world fuss about. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all instead. Make your top priority God's kingdom and his way of life. And all these things will be given to you as well. No, not the latest Porsche. No, not the latest Lamborghini. No, not the, the trophy wife. No, no, not the best job in the world that's going to make you be able to write books and be rich and famous. No, not all of those things. Some of those things may happen along the way, but they're not the main deal. The main deal, he says, is make your top priority. And then you will come alive. You'll be more fully human than what you ever thought you would be. You see, in this place, Jesus isn't talking about a location of his kingdom. He's talking about a relationship. That God's presence and he's here. He's not far away. He's right here in his other dimension. And he wants to know you. And he wants you to know him. And he wants you to trust him with all of your life. How do we do that? We choose. If I was to put it bluntly, I'd say, you need to die. Kids, I don't mean that physically. I mean in the deepest part of your being, Jesus wants you to make a decision about who you want to follow and what you want in life. He says these words. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. But whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever wants to lose their life for me and the, and the gospel and the good news of who I am will save it. 
What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Anyone who is ashamed of me of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes with his Father and the glory of his holy angels as well. It seems that some people will say to you, if you choose Jesus, they will say, what are you doing? That's foolish. That's dumb. You are throwing your life away. Jesus would dare, <laughs> he would dare and beg to differ. He'd actually say, you're finding it. You're living it. Some people will say you're foolish. You'll say it's the most astute decision you've ever made in your entire life. He says, if you want to come and follow me, someone's put it like this. You need to die. Bron, could you please throw me that? I know that throwing isn't your greatest skill, but we're just going to give it a shot. That's, that's, sorry, that's, not a, that's just a fact. No. <laughs> she knows it too, but that was a good throw. Well done. Phys ed teacher, music teacher, I just, you know. He actually says this. Before you order anything else, seek first my will, my life. Trust me like you trust a good father. Maybe you never had, but there is one. And he's your heavenly father. Put that in your bucket. And then out of that, Work's important, you need to do that. Health's important, you need to do some of those things. Relationships are important, you need to do some of that. But out of that, that's the kind of simplified Jesus talks about. Not how to make us more productive. That has a place. But how we can actually be more productive, if you like, for a Father who dwells in heaven and who we were made to be. Pete's going to come up in a moment. In fact, come on up, Pete, now. He's going to do a reflection for us. I'm going to invite us in the space to actually just listen. And perhaps some of you might want to close your eyes. Some of you might want to pray. Some of you might just want to reflect about these things. But you might be asking here today, what does it mean for me to seek God's kingdom? And it comes with a choice. Do you want to even know God and know his kingdom and know. Do I want what God wants? I was away over the holidays with my little nephew. He was eating his chips. I I sat down with him being the uncle and just the way I work, I I wanted to mess with him a little. I said, hey, Isaac, do you you like the chips? Yeah. When's enough enough chips? I said, for instance... Are you in control of your chip eating? Are you in control or is your wanter in control? And he said, Uncle Troy, I'm in control. I said, okay, let's just test that. How about for the next four minutes, I'll time you, there's no more chipping. Go. He made about 30 seconds. Reached into the bag, stuffed some more chips in his mouth. And I, and I said, why are you doing that? I thought you said you were in control. He said, I am in control and I want the chips. <laughs> Comes down to a really simple choice with Jesus. And on this, he's really firm. Man comes to him and says, I want to follow you, but first let me bury my father, which was let me look after all the family, do my duties as a son, and then I'll follow you. And Jesus says, nah, nah. 
Like a parent goes, let me look after all of my kids. We'll have them you know, in, in life all done and then I'll follow you. And he goes, nah. It's like a student who says, let me do all my exams first and then, well, then I'll follow you. He goes, nah. Someone else who says, let me make all the money in the world so I can give it all back to God. And he goes, nah. Choose. Do you want what God wants? That's a conversion. It'll feel like a death, but it will give you life. And each day when you wake up, if you want to seek the kingdom, it's as though you get swing your legs out in the morning and you say, God, do I want you what you want? If so, you go to the next one, you will ask. You'll mutter a prayer that will go something like this. Very simple. What do you want from me today? And then you have to trust him. When you say, I will offer myself, here I am, show me today what you want me to do. It doesn't have to be big things, it could be really tiny things, but a glass of water given in the name of God is enough for God to go, well done. That's doing something on behalf of me. That's seeking my kingdom. I wonder how God's speaking to you right now. Have you ever chosen? You got your feet in two places. One that says, yeah, I want to do all the things that I want to do, but yeah, I kind of want a little bit of God on the way. Nah. 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 He says, I'm God. You can't play with me like that. I'm a good dad. You've got to trust me. One, seek first. And it begins by choosing. And if you choose, then by asking each day, And then you offer your body and you say, here I am. And then Jesus happens to say, my dad will throw in the other stuff as well as you need it. Will you trust him? How's God speaking to you? Have a listen as Pete sings. And then after that, he's going to invite you to respond. And I tell you what, when people connect with God by worshipping... One of the guys in the Bible, King David, he stripped off all of his clothes. I don't want you to do that. But he danced before God. And the only thing that God's interested in is your heart. So if you're going to engage and respond, I'm asking you in this year, do it wholeheartedly from wherever you are. You can stand, you can kneel, you can sit where you are. But all I'm asking you is that if it's sincere, do it wholeheartedly.